Uh. Some of my peoples one time. What up, what up, what up? Ladies and gentlemen, we're back, we're back, we're back. You thought we were gone, we're gone, we're gone, but no, 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 no. This is Across the Intersection Podcast. This is AJ, I'm in here with Eve and A Swish. This might be my, my, my new running joke here. Like Tommy ain't got no job. A ain't got no name. Like, man, you ain't got no name. Anyway, as always, you can ingest our wonderful podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Google Play, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud. Get us where you ingest podcasts. And hey, listen, I haven't said this in a couple weeks, but if you were on that Apple platform, we would really appreciate five stars. So if I could get those stars up off you, that would be wonderful. It's not bribery if you're not paying. There it is. I can't bribe you if I ain't got no money. You can sponsor me anytime, but I got nothing to pay you with. So please, if you're on that Apple platform, uh, we would love those five stars. Everybody else, please just subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Um, we thank you all for rocking with us again. So got the got the crew crew back in here again. Got Eve in here with us again. She was out running the streets of the D, supporting our brother Jason Wilson. Shout out to Jason Wilson. We look forward to getting him on. Uh, Jason has his new book out, Cry Like a Man. Again, go out and support that brother. Um, yeah, the, it was a really, really, really good. It was a powerful book launch, a powerful event, and it was very well attended. Um, the, some of the things that were done on stage with the interview and with the marriage counselor and therapist, just I think that some people are just bringing us as a community into something, into a stage of being healthy, you know, from a mental standpoint, relational standpoint. So Cry Like a Man, I just, I, I highly recommend the book. Nice. So, shots out to Jay Will, formerly known as Magi the Union. <laughs> Man, it was it's it's just dope when you you know people that you know on the come up. That's just really dope, you know, just personally yep. when you see people on the come up. So, right, right. we back at it again. Y'all know how we do. We, now we're gonna get to the full t- to the full full show. So, you know, y'all 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 recall that we took a couple weeks off at the end of December. Um, and so we're going to continue in the vein of going through old stuff because that's just what we do. So th- there were a couple articles, again, that were on our radar that now we're going to talk about. So, again, like we did last week, this article is a little old. It's from last October, but still, it's um, I think it's something that still should be talk- talked about. And so we're going to talk about it. So. There's an article, or there is an article in the Blaze, right? There's an article in the Blaze where some faith leaders blessed an abortion clinic. I know I'm about to throw a wrench into some of y'all Christianity right now, um, but there were 20 faith leaders who in there, there's two articles. So there's the Blaze article, and then there's an article in DCist, dcist.com, um, and it's about t- some faith leaders in Ohio. And some faith leaders in Washington, D.C. who blessed these abortion clinics. So in Columbus, Ohio, there were 20 faith leaders that gathered to bless an abortion clinic. Mm. Faith leaders will gather to bless an abortion clinic. There's an article by Dave Urbanski in The Blaze. Now, 
they they were blessing a the Planned Parenthood of Greater Ohio's East Columbus Surgical Facility. I wanted to just give you the whole full name. The blessing had t- um, took place on November 9th. So we told you this is a you know this article is a couple months old. November 9th of 2018. They called it an interfaith gathering. And so we 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 want to make sure that you understand what's going on here. So. The the article clearly says faith leaders, and I, I think that they do that purposefully because it there weren't just Christian people there. Um, you know, there there were other people there. That's why they called it faith leaders. And, you know, oh man. I you know, I I have some 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 interesting thoughts on this. Um, and then definitely want to throw it out to the squad. I th- I think it is it it's it's a little reckless um, to to not go into some of the nuances that come along with abortion, um, because one of the things that this article does is that it it also um, makes reference to the DCist article. So that's why we're kind of tying them together. Doctor Willie, what's Willie's last name? Shoot, Willie Parker. He says um, he's a pro-choice proponent. Dr. Willie Parker says, I've been a Christian longer than I've been an abortion provider. Women have been made to think that this clinic is some evil place where God is not. Um, Man, that's again, I'll just say this because I I know each one of us kind of have had our own experiences related to this topic. There are, like I said, there there were a lot of people at at this one, and then the one in in the district. Um, there were a bunch of people, so it's like a you know pastors, priests. There was a Hindu priest, an imam showed up, a Jewish rabbi. So there's what they're calling like this faith council, and I think that's what you know people can't you know fall for the okie doke here. Um, and this is what I think a, a lot of Christians fall for the okie doke because just because me and you agree on this topic does not equate to, okay, let's come together and bless this thing. Well, what are you blessing it with? If I'm a, if I'm a servant of the most high, I know what I'm blessing with. I know what I'm praying for, praying to, what are you doing? And so we're, we're in there with this amalgamation of faiths with an S um, and it adds more confusion than anything. Um, I, you know, I would, I would say that all abortions are not created equal. You know, there are many reasons for having an abortion, which is why I'm neither for it nor against it. Um, there's a scripture in, in the book of Joshua going to get a little bible here for a second. There's a scripture in the book of Joshua where they're just about to take Jericho and the angel of the Lord appears to Joshua and Caleb and they run up on him and they say, "Hey, are you with us or are you against us?" And the angel says, "I'm neither for you nor against you." He says, "I represent the Lord of hosts," right? And they end up falling down and worshiping the Lord, you know, worshiping the Lord. My point is is that there are many times where the Lord is neither for nor against our particular point. We try to drag God into the things that we're doing. All right, you need to get on my side or you're not on my side. And the Lord says, no, no, you need to change what you're doing and get on my side. And that's how I feel about things like abortion. There is no clear cut 
you know, black and white when it comes to something like abortion because there's so many health nuances um, involved. Um, Yes, that's correct. Okay, so all I was going to say was when you say faith leaders, you know, you have people, first of all, you have people who believe in the supernatural, believe in that which can't be seen, the metaphysical, but they come from different angles. And so what is the relationship with people between people who believe in the metaphysical and whether or not people allow humans to come into this earth? You know, it's just interesting that that these are people who are leaders with respect to believing in that which isn't tangible. And then they're supporting or blessing a portal that can determine or a place where there are portals that can determine whether human beings can come from the intangible uh, distance to the tangible. It just seems contradictory, you know, it seems contradictory to who they are if they claim to be faith leaders. But the second issue uh, that I have with it is, you know, as I just read scripture, sometimes when things come up, my mind goes to history or scripture, and it just seems like the same thing that they're doing here would be like back in the first century, uh, some rabbis going to, you know, some high place or temple uh, of idolatry and blessing it. I don't know. As you said, AJ, I'm with you in the sense that sometimes there are health conditions and you have to determine whether to save the life of the mother or the baby. I don't think that that's the same as somebody using abortion for birth control. Um, But things like this just kind of remind me of of how silly it would look in another context for people who claim to be faith leaders um, going to something that is diametrically opposed to a, a commandment of God, thou shalt not kill, for example, and blessing it. Yeah. You know, yeah. before you jump in, I, I, I want to read one more quote. So Laura Myers, the president and CEO of Planned Parenthood of Metropolitan Washington, said regarding the ceremony in D.C., so there was a ceremony in D.C. in 2017, and then there was this ceremony in Columbus, Ohio, last November. And she was just referencing the one from D.C. when she said, this confirms the sacredness of the work we do here regarding the more than 20 faith leaders who came together to to bless the Planned Parenthood facility. Um, and I think that one of the things that... Uh, back to my point about just believers falling for the okie doke one of the the tenets of christianity that smacks in opposition to human nature is as a believer i have to not be afraid to do things by myself or do things when there's minimal numbers of people that's not human nature human nature is we want to get as many people on our thing as possible to to make it look some kind of way right the more people I get, the more it looks like I'm right. The more it looks like I'm correct. correct. Whereas my faith doesn't, you know, depend on numbers of people. I mean, we can go through scripture. I mean, when when the Lord Himself was ascended, there's only 120 cats in the upper room. So it's clear that He's not concerned with numbers. So I think that her seeing all these quote unquote faith leaders got her got her all gassed up. So she's all gassed up. Yo. See, 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 we got all these people here. This this has to be good. Yeah, you, you're you bringing something up that is actually throughout scripture. It's a principle 
throughout scripture. And it's a principle of something called the remnant. And God, I'm not saying God doesn't care about everybody, but he keeps on saying over and over from the old to the new, even all the way back to the time of Moses, when there are only certain people, I'm sorry, yeah, Moses, when there are only certain people from that generation who would make it into the promised land, like remnant, remnant, remnant is being brought up over and over. And it seems like we're afraid of the remnant. But one thing that, or we're afraid of the notion that there is a remnant. But it's, it, it doesn't surprise me where you'll have, when you have popular culture, no matter where it's trying to go in terms of what's considered moral and amoral, it wouldn't surprise me that it's easy for them to find people of quote unquote faith who can support, who can bless an abortion clinic. Or what the heck are they gonna bless next, the grief? Um, because the reality is, uh, there always will be a remnant of people who stay true to God's principles. Yeah, there, there, there is certainly a big distraction that takes place. Um, well, people tend to think that our heavenly Father is in the big noises when he's when he's not. He's in the still. He's in the quiet places. And when, um, particularly, uh, particularly, particularly. Um, uh, I wanted to reference a, uh, a, a, a scripture in First Kings where it talks about uh, the Lord and Elijah, and how uh, it was. Uh, there's a passage where it talks about how the Lord was not in the fire, and he wasn't in the he, he wasn't in the mountain, and he wasn't you know he wasn't in all these big giant things that took place. But then uh, he was actually in the cave. And Elijah went to the cave and he heard a still small voice. Right. And um, and so in reference to in reference to this scenario, um, really they're throwing a party to bless what it is that they already want to do, unfortunately. And I and, and I get get the I get the um the compassion aspect uh wholly and completely um because uh you you you're you're in these situations where it can be life and death. And, you know, a lot of people, they, um, like, for example, I, I, I've been, I've been, I've had experiences on both sides where, um, you know, in, in one relationship, um, the, when I was, um, you know, in a relationship and, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, just, it's just, it can be a health situation. Whereas, um, you know, other experiences, other relationship uh, that I was in, um, you know, and somebody telling me about their past, and they were performing these uh, these um, these operations on. They were getting these operations performed on them purely for um, for contraceptive purposes. Um, thoughts of, oh well, I don't want to be bound to this person um, for you know, for the rest of my life for one. And then um, one instance uh, when they, when they opted for that uh, operation. And then for the other instance, they, at least what they told me was that, well, you know, they were graduating and from college and here they are in the situation again. And they don't you know they're going to ruin their life. Like they're not going to be able to do all the things that they wanted to do with their life. So they did it. They had it done again. And, um, you know, never in these scenarios. And I mean, I myself, you know, how do you even respond to that? Because I knew what the truth was. And the truth was, was that this person was being irresponsible. But I, in that turn, in that scenario, did not tell her, you know, tell this person that. 
um, I, I, I pacified them, which was a fault on my end. You know, right. I know better than that. Um, but, but then because of the nature of the situation and I, I just, Oh no, you know, I, you know, I understand. Oh yeah. You know, you didn't do anything wrong, but she did, you know, and, um, I should have been, I should have been better about communicating that. But, um, the whole, that whole scenario was something that I should not have been. So, um, uh, but anyway, the, the, there's a, there's an aspect here of, uh, using, uh, our heavenly father's grace to love. Um, uh, but then we end up using his grace as a grace card to not correct, to not use that as a, uh, to use it as a reason to not correct. Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge. Right. And we don't understand what judgment actually means, you know? Um, and we, we ought to forgive Yes, absolutely. Um, but we also are to um, make proper decisions as they are um, placed in front of us and also able to guide others to not necessarily um, suffer certain kinds of consequences that we know is going to take place should they go down a particular path. Now, we can't hold everybody back. Um, a lot of people are going to go the way they're going to go, but that just because that's that happens does not necessarily absolve us from our responsibility to help who we can go the righteous way. Yeah, yeah you that's mentioned a, that's grace a good point. That's, yeah, you mentioned grace, and that's something that that I think that uh, the notion of grace is a prime ex, a prime uh, exemplar for how people don't even try it. AJ, I see your face. But, hey, you, uh, you like throwing out ten dollar words? Go ahead, it's all good. It's a prime exemplar for how we as people of faith will use a term within the context of our faith differently than we use it um, in regular life. And grace is a, it was a prime example. Oh, I have grace, I have grace, I have grace. And we use it as if it's a license to sin or to do something that doesn't honor God or do something that doesn't help us. But, uh, but, but when we talk about a grace period, right? Um, there's always or there's very often time associated with grace in our regular life. So um, if you don't pay your bill in time, you know, there's a grace period for depending on the bill um, between when you should have paid it and when certain fees start to accrue. Um, but we, for some reason, don't use that in our life as believers to say grace is just, a t you know, God is giving you a little bit of time to get yourself together. But the but 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 you being obedient remains like the, the, the law or the commandment that God set forth remains. This is a grace period. The grace period shouldn't be used for you to just do things over and over again is for you to get that right. God has a little bit of grace or is offering you a time of grace for you to get that right without being smacked on the head. Um, but now it's time for you to get it right. Yeah, that's good. I, I know Paul says this in the New Testament. He says, should we use God's grace as a license to sin? And, right. you know, ladies and gentlemen listening, I, I think, you know, six. thank you, you know, is we have to separate the, there, there are two aspects of these two articles that we want to make sure you understand. There is the foolishness of these leaders blessing a space with other quote unquote faith leaders. That's the one issue. And then you have the second issue of just the abortion space in general. Um, the abortion space in general, you know, 
is it its own bag because all abortions are not created equal. Because in addition to the point that A brought up about the, the, the nuances to abortion, right? If there's a health situation or if there is just deviant behavior situation, those are two different things. I know my, my wife and I, we've had talks about this because one of the situations that A brought up, you know, I know personally, and I remember telling her the exact same thing. I'm like, listen, if it was me, my choice would have been the exact same, right? I'm at that moment, I don't if unless I specifically heard from the Lord, I'm not sure that I'm going to put my wife's health in jeopardy, right? Call it what you want. That's not deviant behavior. You know, now I've also had people in my family who have practiced deviant behavior and have also gone and had an abortion. And what ends up happening, what people don't like to talk about in these spaces is the grief and the remorse that comes on the woman when they've done this. I've talked to so many women that that feel that grief and that remorse. Oh, did I do the right thing? Oh, did I did I did I kill my baby? Oh, am I going to be able to ever get pregnant again? Now, people can say what you want. Those are real conversations I've had with multiple people. Um that we can't just sidestep. You know, a lot of these people like to sidestep that part and go right to the, oh, well, it's her body, it's her right to choose, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the other component that, again, people don't like to talk about. There was another person involved in the creation of that. Yes. And, and, and I've had discussions with people I know personally who, men who have said, I want to raise a child. I want to have my seed and were robbed of that right because of their partner saying, nah, I'm not doing this, I'm out. And they and they decided to check out. And so then you had you have the frustration, you have the despair of that man who was excited, saying, Man, I get to raise a child and is now robbed of that opportunity because of the quote unquote choice of another. So there there are a lot of nuances to this to this topic that um, I think deserves just as well, much um, attention yeah. than yeah. just the, you know, yeah. just the the choice part. Yeah, yeah. Also, also just to throw it out there, uh, I mean, it, it's a bit of a derail. I don't know. Um, the, the that whole choice, a woman's right to choose, and it gets thrown into this term, women's rights, which women's rights is basically that's it. It's abortion rights, like. Uh, what's, uh, what are the other rights and women's rights that people talk about? Like, well, that's um, pretty, equal pay for equal work, things like that. Right, yeah, the, the, right. So the quote unquote gender gender gap, which is a gender race gap, but that's that's a that's another conversation. Um, but uh, the the this idea of um, uh, women's rights is actually contradictory to the Constitution. Uh, which people tend tend to miss, and that is right. <laughs> rights are not supposed to be uh, dictated by immutable characteristics. Rights are supposed to be provided equally among all people. That's regardless of gender, men's rights, women's rights, no such thing. It's rights. It's it's it's. Citizens of the United States have these inalienable rights. If, if, if there is preferential treatment in an area, that, then that's not a right. 
That's not a right. And that's the violation. Um, that's the violation. People tend to miss that. Like the term women's rights is actually a contradiction. It's, it's a misnomer. Uh, I, I don't know if that's lost on the listener, what I'm saying. Um, but again, just to reiterate, a right is something that is, it's like at the base, most primitive, primable, uh, bottom layer, uh, of equality in between human beings, regardless of the color of your skin or your gender or your nationality, uh, or you you keep going down the list of whatever is listed in the, in the, um, you know, in the Bill of Rights, but yeah, so. Yeah, you which is Bill of Rights is the first 10, uh, first 10 amendments, but yeah. Uh-huh. But you seem to be talking about human rights. And I think that, yeah, at, at a base level, we should be respecting- and race guy, I'm sorry. And race got added in Amendment 13 and 14 and 15. I get it. Just to, just to, for the listener. But anyway, continue. But yeah, it's, you know, but human rights is what we should be respecting. So one thing that comes up very often is you, Avery, me, Eva, you, AJ, none of which have given birth can't say anything about a woman's body unless you've experienced having a creature growing in you for nine months or the potential of, of, a, of, a, of a person growing in you for nine months. Even though nine months is an extremely tiny percentage of your whole lifespan, it is a transformative time. And what right do I or you or anyone else have to tell a woman what she can do dur- uh, with her own body? And so that goes back to what AJ was just saying which is, well, it goes to the human rights issue, which is, right. first of all, if that baby that's inside of the mother is not human, then what species is it? So we're talking about the fact that human rights actually does apply to people before they're born, unless that creature inside of you is not human. Um, so if, if that creature is human, then that person should be you know, receiving basic human rights. And then, but going back to what um, uh, AJ was saying, the father, I mean, if that child is outside of the womb and the mother... Let, and the mother stops the the child from living, ends the child's life. That is is that's not okay. But for some reason, while the mother is hosting the growth and development of that child, she can do whatever she wants to another person's child, right. to that man's baby. Um, I've I've encountered many more men who want to be fathers than men who don't. You know, I don't know why we you know we roboticize the male gender as if. You know, these are just people who screw, 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 have sex, have sex, have sex, and don't have any desire for families. I don't know where that notion comes from. Yeah, because think, think about it, Eva. If, if while she was pregnant, if the father was like, I'm out, he's called a deadbeat, right? That same yeah. woman, if the, if, if the two people come together and she gets pregnant, and if the man decides, you know what, I don't want to be a father, I'm out. He is called a deadbeat, taken to court, et cetera, et cetera. He's, you know, dragged and all of that. If That's the, if Now, those same two people come together and the woman says, you know what? I don't want to be a mother. I don't want this thing inside of me. Oh, it's it's uh, her choice, her body, yes, her rights. Girl, it's true. Right. Yeah. And so that's girl. that's where it's it's a uh, it's a little hypocritical. It's a little hypocritical um from that point. But I do I don't want to forget about the other part of the story, which is the faith leaders, quote unquote, blessing this place. And I just want to throw this statement out as we kind of wrap this portion of the show up, is if if I'm a Christian leader, right, 
and we all are in our own sphere, right? Yeah, I would. You, you guys are leaders. <laughs> but I'm a, Christian. <laughs> I'm a follower of Christ and the son of the most, a son of Elohim. Anyway, there you are. If if you're a leader who's I a follower, you, I and in in any space, if I'm in any space, right? And I look at this as if um, Elijah and the uh, prophets of Baal on the mountain. I'm going to use that as my example. If if I am a leader and I see a uh, Hebrew, I mean, not Hebrew, a Hindu priest, an imam, a Jewish rabbi, and other quote-unquote faith leaders about to go anywhere and bless anything, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching that zone with apprehension off the break. It doesn't matter where they're going. If I see all them cats, it's, it's, it's like a joke, you know. All the 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 Hindu, the rabbi, the priest go into a bar. You know, like if I see them cats going any direction, hey man, we're gonna go bless this place. Whatever they could be blessing an abortion clinic, blessing a school, blessing a park bench. It doesn't matter. A subway sandwich shop, Chick Fil A. They could be blessing exactly. They could be blessing anything. If those are the cats that's rocking with that joint, I'm going to approach with apprehension. I'm going to approach with caution because who are they talking to? You got him, Hindu priests, imams, freaking Jewish rap. Hold on, hold time out. I'm gonna be like time out. What's going on? What what are they doing? And y'all asking me to come in there with them? So that's where I'm like, these other pastors and these other leaders, I'm like, nobody questioned this joint? You had Reverend Dr. Christine and Dennis Wiley of the Baptist United Church. You had all these other different leaders. But they're, like, they're, that doesn't, see, we get caught up. We get caught up in because they use the, they use the Bible as, as a, uh, uh, gosh, what is that term? Uh, an heirloom. The Bible is used as an heirloom. The Bible uses the Bible for them is used as a it's a prop or a tool of um, a tool of control and possession. It's not anything that they live by. They don't live by. It. There are no reverence in the Bible. Right. It's the, a it's the a only profession in the Bible. Huh? It's a profession. It's yeah. a profession. Yeah, exactly. And and it's a profession that is not limited to people who who uh, uh, possess the Bible. You can be a reverend in all kinds. In fact, it it comes it comes out of uh, it comes out of a uh, pagan origin stuff that has nothing to do with the Bible, and and that's why they wear the white collars all, all and, and the and the the shirts that they wear all that stuff. Clergy that term has nothing to do with the Bible. In addition to that, in addition to that, you have the uh, uh, and I'm just saying of the Baptist this or Baptist that. You only have reference to one. Uh, uh, Baptist per se in the Bible, and that's Johann or John, who's John the Immerser. And this term, this this term Baptist, you take people take what you had, you, you had Johann or John or Wannes the Immerser, and then his followers, right? So Immersers or Baptizer, yeah, John baptized. the Baptizer, yeah, John Johann the Baptizer, right? Who baptized up until the time of Christ, and then he fell back. He baptized Christ, and that was pretty much he, that was pretty much it. So you take these terms, I mean, you can pretty much take any term out the Bible and, and you take it. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're following the scripture, right. you know, and these people clearly are not. And it's just a flavor of control. It's a flavor of being a, a kind of priest. There's a term called priestcraft. 
or a professional minister, right? Like that stuff, you that 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 stuff, that stuff where we lease out our faith so that somebody else can contract between being in the intermediary between us and the spiritual realm. Like the 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 heavenly father in which Christ came to represent, Christ tore he 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 modeled that we didn't need that we didn't need that we can go we can go to the heavenly father directly, right. um, and unfortunately unfortunately there's so much discombobulation that goes on um, in this in in this world where people get it confused and they think that you know you need these people in front of you. For, for for this kind of reason, and then they go and they do things like that, and we're quizzical. Yeah, that's a that's so. a real good segue. I mean, for anybody, like I said, go back and check dcist.com for the story, and go check out the Blaze. Again, they both reference each other in the article. I mean, just to A's point, there was an openly gay imam as a part of the ceremony. That's all you need to know. Yeah, only A in the words in. <laughs> In the in the words of uh, the mighty Don King, only in America. Only in America, America's first come, openly gay you know imam. Saying? So people come over here and pop all this junk about how America's oppressive, <laughs> but you over here though, like right. you because you can't take that. Yeah, you can't take that over you there. You can't take that back over there to West Asia, the Middle East, because they're gonna get it cracking. Yeah, they gonna get the chopping. They gonna get the slicing over that joint. You, yeah, you start talking about that, things gonna start getting cut off. Hey, listen, listen, ladies and gentlemen. So when we when we poke when 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 we poke fun at the hypocrisy, we're not just poking fun at the hypocrisy of, you know, quote unquote churchianity. It's it's a lot of other cats out here that's doing doing foolishness as well. So. We, you know, again, you just have to be mindful when you see these types of individuals coming coming into a thing. We have to make sure to ask ourselves, did God call me into this? Come on. Ladies and gentlemen, as you as you can clearly see from, you know, blessings of abortion clinics, there are some wacky things that individuals who call themselves leaders do. And it's, a, you know, the unfortunate part about that is not just the individual themselves, but if they are a leader, quote unquote, that means there are people following them. That is the that is the real detrimental part when leaders make these types of mistakes, um, you know, I know the, the the Lord makes a statement about children. He says, you know, it'll be worse for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than to lead these little ones astray, you know, because when people follow you, you know, you, you, you yeah, you, your actions have a re- reverberation. Um, and so if I decide to do something there, I can lead you know, multitudes of, of people astray, which leads us into our next um, subject matter. So we we told you a couple of weeks ago, you know, one of the things we wanted to just discuss in 2019 is just the the concept of Western Christianity. Is it biblical? How much of it is biblical? Are there some extra biblical activity that is contained therein um, that 
doesn't necessarily find its roots in the scripture or in, you know, Christian tradition in general. Um, And so one of the topics we want to talk about this week, you know, kind of related to what we were just discussing is the separation of the clergy and the laity and, you know, the the rise in modern times of the professional minister. Now, I don't mean, you know, the, the person who was called to preach and shares the word, you know, with with people. That's not what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about people who no longer treat the the call to preach like a call, but more like a profession. It's a different, different approach. And I also want to add to that. Those who have been trapped by the professionalization of their pastorship. Some people will say that that's not the person's fault because there's no way when they were 23, 24 years old in divinity school, they could have known this. But there are people who, because of the professionalization of their uh, uh, of their pastorship, have become backed into a corner uh, or painted into a corner. So now here they are being paid, which they have the right to be, but you should look at consequences of it, being paid by churches, um, and they are the ones who are getting income from it, and they're supporting their wives and families, they're growing families, and what if they have a change of heart? What if they read out, what if they look outside of the paradigm of the denomination or aspect of their faith that they have been given, and they say, oh, well, actually, I think that we need to observe all 10 commandments and not just nine. What about that commandment number four? Or if they say to themselves, wait a second, I don't believe in, um, in, in some particular doctrine anymore. You know, annihilism, for example, that no, you know, when you go to hell, you know, then you're just destroyed. I think you're roasted forever. Whatever it is that they come to, all of a sudden, they can no longer, they're trapped by the people who pay them. And so I think that's another aspect of, you know, the problem with uh, professionalization is that now you, you're, you're professionalized into just being a puppet for a particular denominational perspective, and you can't go outside of it. Otherwise, you're going to risk your livelihood. Yeah, there's a, <clears throat> there's a statement by an author uh, who was a reporter back in the um, Late 1800s, early 1900s. He was also, yeah, he was an author. I think I might have said that, but he wrote a book, uh, many books. But anyway, he has a statement that says, it is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends upon his not understanding it. Uh, And the guy's name is uh, Upton Sinclair. And uh, I I, I just say that to say that... um, you know, in these scenarios that it is very difficult, it's very difficult for people to be able to separate the, the t- as I say, the two churches, right? Like you have church big C and church little C and church big C is the body of Christ. Church little C is a corporation. And unfortunately, what, what has taken place um, is again the priestcraft who have come into the possession of these, you know, of these uh, scriptures and translated them and added certain things in and taken some things out, and, you know, began to use them to justify uh, the business of uh, controlling people and the business, the justify the business of faith 
quite honestly, in the business of souls. And then also, also justify business in general, right? Because we know that um, you have this whole term called the doctrine of discovery or the Christian doctrine of discovery that was used by these uh, kingdoms in Europe to divide the world, essentially. And we sitting in the United States, we sit as a result uh, of that effort. And they would come and they would take, just for the listener to understand, you know, everything Christian ain't Christ. Like this term Christian does not necessarily mean Christ. It means exactly what it sounds like, just Christian. It's, it's like, it's called ostentation. It's when you, it's something for display purposes only. It's like the term black. You're not really black. You're like brown, like dark brown. But we say black because we want people to think a certain thing, right? But it really means something else. Or uh, the term, the Patriot Act, like the Christianity, Christianity to Christ is like the Patriot Act to patriotism. Or uh, Christ to Christianity is like uh, being like the term Patriot versus the Patriot Act, where you have this group of people that took this figure they took this figure from the Bible and they saw these characteristics and attributes and they know that it means something positive, but they take it and they make this blanket term for Christianity. And then they stuff everything that they want to do. That's deviant and despicable and disgusting in there under it to justify it so that you can't say anything. That is what, that is what is happening. Uh, again, like the Patriot Act, right? You take the term patriotism. Oh yeah. Well, I love my country. I love where I'm from. And then, so we want to say, well, we want to be a patron. So we want, so we then vote in something that uh, spies on us, right? And monitors our email and and now our country uh, contracts with Facebook and and um, you have no privacy, compromise your privacy. You know, um, you can be accused of certain things to set up like all, all, make it easier by supporting something like the Patriot Act. My point is not to make it political. My point is, is that this is nothing new. This is marketing 101 where certain terms and phrases are used to usher in or pass trick bag stuff. Politics do it all, politicians do it all the time. They use something, they take a word like, like no child left behind, right? Yeah, who wants a child to be left behind? I know we don't want any of our children to left behind. So now, now what's happening is, is that you don't have this, the disruptive kids have to stay in the class with the kids that really want to learn. And rather than rising the acumen of the kids that really want to learn, you got to dumb everybody down so that the other, the other disruptive kid doesn't get kicked out. You follow what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, so it, 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 it's, 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 but it's no child left behind. You'd be an idiot to want a child left behind, <laughs> but now, okay, well, we're not going to leave one child behind because nobody ever, nobody's going anywhere. So not, nobody got left behind, but nobody advanced either. So, the, that's the trick baggery. That's the trick baggery that has that's gone on from time immemorial. Uh, but when it comes to the priestcraft, the priestcraft of politicians just like anybody else. And this is the type of stuff, the priestcraft are politicians just like anybody else. And this is the type of stuff that they, that, that has been, that has been going on that we, I, the scales have to be dropped from our eyes. So when those scales are dropped, then we can be able to true commune and grow. I'm not saying that we don't grow, but we can grow further in the Father um, and in our faith if we can be able to make this distinction. So um, the original question that uh, that AJ asked was, and and that is being asked with within this uh, series of podcast episodes is, 
uh, is Western Christianity biblical? And so one thing that comes to mind is a scripture in Jeremiah. I think this is the only scripture I've ever come across um, that references pastors in the first place. And I'm talking about in the Torah or the Tanakh, where, you know, the, the, the part of scripture that was considered scripture by even the New Testament people, the only scripture that existed when they came about. So I've, only, I've come across only one thing that references pastors, and it's a warning. And this is in Jeremiah, the beginning of chapter 23. It says, woe be unto the pastors <laughs> that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings. And then he goes on saying that he's going to gather a remnant to actually feed the flock, to actually properly do the work that pastors have been asked to do. I think that that by itself um, really helps to mark a distinction between what some people who call themselves pastors are doing now versus when you go back to what's biblical, what was expected of those people back then. There's a group of people that are talked about in the book of Revelation. Um, By the way, this is the revelation of Christ um, that was given to John. This is not the revelation of John. Um, he tells to the church in Ephesus and the church in Pergamum, he tells them both about this group of people. They're called Nicolaitans. He says, I hate the work. I, and it's, it's crazy when you notice there's very few things that the Lord says that he hates. Um, he says, I hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. I hate their practices. He says it in verse six of chapter two telling the church in Ephesus um, and then he tells the church in Pergamum in like verse 14 15 says the same thing you follow the practices of the Nicolaitans Nicolaiti oppress the people hold the people down there was a separation of leader and lay people they were the followers of a guy named Nicholas Um, and what they Hmm. did was they took ownership of people particularly in in the churches in Asia, they would like tell the people like, no, you're not going to do this. No, you're not doing that. Why? Because we said so. Not because like we're all seeking the Lord and we feel like God is. No, 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 no. We said so. So because we said so, you people, quote unquote, lay people are not going to do this. Now, that's a practice that started in antiquity. And you can see the the seeds of it all throughout church history. So, you know, before we get to modern times, sometimes, you know, you, you have to go back and look at sort of the genesis of, of some of these things. No pun intended. Um where where these practices start. And so when, when you talk about the separation of leader and lay people, it's a practice of I'm higher than you, I'm different than you, I'm somehow elevated above you, right? When in actuality, none of the graces mentioned in the New Testament, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, right? It says that when he ascended on high, he gave gifts to mankind. None of those things were professions or offices or any of those things. Those were different graces that people were to exercise in the body of Christ, right? It says why he gave those things for the maturity that the body of Christ might come to full maturity. So that means that when we're all at full maturity, those things would no longer be necessary. 
there, this, you know, when when you give that implication, you're saying why was this given for people to come to maturity? Okay, when the when when the group of people that we're talking about believers come to full maturity, those things will no longer be needed. Oh no! But if I have turned this from a call to a profession, what do I do? If my profession is no longer needed, which is why people fight and claw and scratch to keep their profession relevant, because unfortunately, you have to work yourself out of a job. If I treat it like a call, if I treat it like a calling, I'm working myself out of a job. That's the that's the whole point of the calling. I'm working myself out of a job. And so, you know, we 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 hope that, you know, ladies and gentlemen, as you're listening, that what you're gathering from this is that there is no separation between leader and lay person like that shouldn't even exist. We are all people with different graces. Now, are there those now, now? I'm not I'm not naive enough to to not realize that there are individuals who are more mature than others. But. We're not trying to say that the immature and the mature are all on the same plane. No, there are those who need to learn from those who are more mature. But what we are saying is that we have to change the context and the structure by which that transmission of information, that transmission of grace, that transmission of authority takes place. It's not to take place in a from a I'm elevated above you perspective. It is to take place with we're all in this together. Let me show you how I've gotten out. Right. Why was David so, you know, so loved by God? Well, if you recall, when Samuel comes to anoint the next king, he says, where's David? David is out there in the sheep pen. So he comes into the house smelling like sheep, though he is the shepherd. Because he, even with his sheep, he didn't take the perspective of I'm above you. No, I'm with you. Jesus says that those who will be leaders must be servants of all. The, the context by which we interface with these things has to change. Not the things themselves, but the context. The context is so important. So when we say pastor, well, that doesn't mean some person elevated above you barking instructions at you trying to control your life. All right. When we say teacher, when we say evangelist, any of these things, this is not someone who's been elevated above you. This is just someone who has been given a particular grace for you for you to mature, for you to grow and for you to mature. When the context is changed, then we sort of take off the mysticism off of these things. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. You know, this is a practice that started from the essentially the beginnings of the faith. Um, and we're, we're seeing the, the fruits of it now, you know, these things are centuries old. This is not a, uh, a new thing. Leaders wanting to separate themselves. Listen, the practice of leaders only using their first and middle initial, <laughs> that's, that is actually taught. It's taught as a way for leaders to separate themselves from the quote unquote parishioners. Don't let them know your name. Y'all don't believe me? Go look it up. It's an actual thing that's taught. So when you see these guys, I'm blank, blank Williams, right? I'm blank, blank Johnson. I'm blank, blank Jenkins. That's taught. That's taught as a way to separate yourself from the people that you're fellowshipping with. These are the practices of the Nicolaitans. So it seems like you're saying, AJ, in response to the question of this particular podcast episode, that no. <laughs> my contemporary and Western Christianity is not biblical. 
That's that's still, you know, I, I think it's possible that it, that question has never entered some people's minds, period. Um, you grow up and either when you're a little kid or when you're grow, when you're an adult and someone evangelizes you, you find out about this Christ and you find out about church and then you get the benefit. And there are plenty of benefits of what happens when you join a community of faith. And then you're just going on and you're and you're spending because the paradigm has been given to you. It takes a whole lifetime to even peer into any aspect of this paradigm. So you you learn and you grow and you connect with people and you and you often don't even reach below the surface or even to the heights of the firmament of the paradigm. You don't even get to that point in your whole lifetime. And so for a lot of people, the question of whether this is a uh, w- whether their their form of Christianity is biblical never even comes up. But it sounds like you are saying, AJ, uh, it's possible that that Bible that you read, there's a disconnect between that and what you're practicing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this is not to disparage anyone, but yeah. this is to say, listen, Western Christianity can become biblical. The scripture says that the word of God is sharper than any two edged sword able to slice asunder the soul and the spirit. That means to slice and separate what is fleshly, what is earthly, and what mm-hmm. is of the spirit. Now, we are people who live in a Western context. We live in a Western context. We live in the United States in the 21st century. We are Western people. Okay, I get it. So all that means is culturally we're Western people, but we can practice a biblical faith, and we have the ability to separate the things in which are cultural and earth-based, the based in the earth, and things which are heavenly. So then what would have to change uh, when somebody awakens to the reality that there is a demarcation between what's in scripture, which is what they ultimately follow, and what um, and what they're practicing in this particular with this particular topic of the professionalization of pastorship and leadership, what would have to change to bring people back? I, I would just say this, you know, as, as we come around third base, and I'm not calling myself the authority. These are just suggestions, ladies and gentlemen, you know, as we're talking about this, these are all suggestions. Um, we have to be willing to acknowledge when something that we do, right, something that we practice as the, the household of faith, when we realize this thing, its origins is earthly. You know, Paul Paul says this to, I believe, the, the Corinthians. He says, you know, when, when you all come together, y'all are just fighting over the food, everybody's just acting all reckless, and he's just like, yo, what, what are you doing? He's like, this, this is not the practice of the people of God, right? So when you come together, each one should have a song, a hymn, a spiritual song. Like he's, he's giving them things which are probably countercultural, right? Tip, more than likely, they were behaving the way that they, that they behaved, and they just brought that into their fellowships. And so he's saying, no, when you come together as the people of God, some of the things that you practiced just in your own cultural existence, you may have to leave at the door. You may have to leave those, and that's hard to do because that's probably part of us, right? There are just things that we do culturally that we may have to leave at the door. And that is the difficult questions that we have to ask ourselves. Why am I doing this thing? Whatever this thing is, we just happen to be talking about the leadership 
laity separation. Why is there a separation, right? What, what is that separation from? And why do I do it? Is it something that I see in scripture or is it something that I've kind of come up with culturally that we just kind of accept as the norm? So I w- that would be my answer to, to, to your question. Be, you know, be willing to ask yourself these things that I'm doing, if they're earthly based, if they're cultural, Lord, can you help me to put them down? If they're a hindrance to progressing in my faith, we have to be willing to do that. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, do appreciate you rocking with us again. Listen, these are weighty topics. This is not something that's going to be solved in a one hour podcast, but we want to definitely throw the seeds out for you to begin to ask yourself these questions. I've had Christian leaders ask me these questions. I've taught. Listen, I come up with a lot of guys who ended up becoming pastors. I was on that train, too. I was on that path. Um. And now 10, 15 years later, they're coming back asking me like, yo, what am I doing? So, yeah, I mean, so these are these are serious questions that people are asking themselves. And so we just want to throw it out there for you to ask you these questions. Hey, so that maybe you in your own context can begin to have the dialogue. Hey, if you want to hit us up, hit us up. We forgot to put our social media handles out. Um, Hit us up on Twitter at across this on the gram dive media. You know, I'm at Divinimus. E to the B to the on Twitter or my uh, with respect to me. Mm-hmm. So hit us up if if you want to dialogue even further. We actually got a new platform that we're getting it in a little bit more with some of the people that listen to the show. So if you want to join on that train, please hit us up. Um, but other than that, we do appreciate you rocking with us. As always, you know, no matter what we're talking about, whether it's abortion clinics or Western Christianity, we're going to do our best to keep God in the mix. So for ENA Swish. <laughs> this is AJ saying peace. Peace. Let's get started. I won't teach you. Let me set apart who is my people. The ones who set in their heart to be believers. Press on to the mark to follow Jesus. When it gets hard, they be seeking the leaders. Fathers that help them heal when they are beaten. Or help them see the meaning when they're grieving. Don't follow their feelings that are being misleading. They the ones that keeping it biblical Keep it 100 when others saying it's fictional A relational life, that is how it's scriptural A stay in the light while cats be living typical Integrity we chose cause folks is hypocritical Religious midwit, man that is how they picture you Wishing you would go the way of the extinctional You remind them too much of what they listen to